describe how your daughter would describe to somebody what mom does? Oh, that's a good question. She has an idea. Well, we would have to ask her. So when I went to Afghanistan for the first time, she had just turned one. So she didn't know anything. And then over the years, she's observed me traveling there frequently. And I think she's had an idea that I do something related to culture. But beyond that, we'd have to hear from her what she thinks now as a, you know, a preteen. This is Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. If you're new to this podcast, we recommend going back to start with episode one. For everyone else, welcome back. Let's jump in. We're talking about Afghanistan. Can you stretch your memories back a little bit? What do you first remember about your mom going off to Afghanistan and what she told you? Um, I just remember her always packing up her suitcase. Like, there was always a suitcase just sitting on her floor. Yeah. And it was always full. Or there'd just be, like, a couple things in it that would just, they'd just be there. But I never liked it when she traveled. Why? Because I just miss my mom. Mm. So I had some fun memories with my dad. But she always kind of, like, prepared me for when she left. And I would always go with my dad to the airport with her. And I'd call her a lot. And I remember her, like, showing me the tour of her room. It was really a bin with, like, a tiny shower. She moved to Afghanistan for a year right after I was born. So I don't remember that. That's right, because when she first went, she went for a long time. She went for a year, yeah, Yeah. to, like, set off her job. And then I remember her going to super cool places and her just bringing back little trinkets for me. How old were you at the time when she went for a year? I think I was one. One and a half. Oh, my gosh. Do you have memories of that, that far back? No, I think my farthest memory was, I was two going on three. Okay. So she'd been there for a year or two. Yeah. The farthest I can remember her traveling is, like, here, like, in this house. But I remember her traveling, and just whenever she'd leave, it was from a week to two weeks. And she'd show me the pictures from when she got back, and she'd call me. And, like, I'd check in with her. And it was always super hard to call her because it was, like, such a different time zone. So it was 7 p.m. that I would always call her because it was, like, the sweet spot to call her. And she was always up early. And she'd tell me about the news channel she was watching. She had a fashion news channel. And then these news channels that she'd tell me that she was watching. Tell me about the container that she lived in. I remember asking her because she was telling me about how she was in Dubai And it was so extravagant. So when she told me that she was in Afghanistan, I I thought Dubai and Afghanistan were the same thing. So when she told me she was in Afghanistan and she lived in a shipment container, I was like, what? I thought you lived in like five-star hotels. She was like, no, I live in a little shipment container with a bed, a desk, and a tiny shower and a toilet. And that was it. And I remember I had a stuffed animal that I gave to her when she was gone, so she could remember me, and she sent me a picture of her bed with the stuffed animal on it. And it was, I have your stuffed animal with me. And it was really sweet. I really liked it. How did she talk about what she was there to do? I thought what she did was she dug up rocks. And then she'd show me pictures of 
different like cultural things, just statues and stuff. So I thought she dug up statues or looked at those and I kind of knew what archaeology was. But she explained it to me like she was there to help provide for the people there and give them like an understanding that someone cares about their culture and that she's there to help it and preserve it. Did you have a sense of, well, now you know that Afghanistan is pretty dangerous, but back then, was she upfront with you about how dangerous it was? No, because she knew that I'd worry about it. So I don't really remember her telling me that it was not safe. So when did you realize how dangerous it was? I think I got the sense when I saw pictures of her with people, and she was like wearing that one picture of her with the um, helmet on. The flak jacket. Yeah, I was like, oh. I feel like I always kind of got a sense that it was dangerous. I thought it was just like smack dab desert with a couple houses and it was like a village just right in the center of a desert. That's what I imagined that she was in. But then she was telling me about the embassy in Kabul and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, there's people like her there. So it's not like dangerous. And then I kind of figured out when I got older that there was definitely like a danger in Afghanistan. For that year, do you remember what life was like back here with you and your brother and your dad? Without her? Mm. No, I don't I don't remember that far back, but I do remember finding a postcard. I was going through old stuff and I remember finding a postcard from when she was gone. And it was just like a sweet postcard that she sent to us. And I remember it saying mommy from mommy, but we never called her that. What do you mean? At the end of the postcard, it said from mommy, but I, I was like, that's weird. I never called her that. Why'd she sign it from mommy if I never called her that? What were you calling her? Mama or mom or something like that. Yeah. I never really called her that, so I was confused on why she would sign it that way. I'm curious, what what kinds of things were you doing here during her long trips? Like you, your dad, your brother? That was, I have a lot of fun, fun memories from when my mom was gone. And not that like I enjoyed my mom being gone, but I always remember our kitchen being so dirty and full of dishes in the sink. <laughs> you mean your dad never washed the Yeah, my dad never cleaned. And it was always like, if we wanted a dish, we'd have to clean it ourselves. <laughs> and he tried so hard. We'd have these like crappy dinners from Food Lion. The- oh, Food Lion is that doo-doo butter grocery store. Yeah. Right okay. Yeah. In Charleston. Yeah. It was bagged lasagna in the frozen aisle and he'd pop that in the oven or we'd have like buttered pasta. Because he knew I liked it. It's kind of funny, though, because your dad's from France, which is like yeah, the food capital of the world. But he never really knew how to cook, unless it was the oldest dish he knew of. But my fondest memories of my mom being gone was my dad always trying to entertain me and Leo. What kinds of things would we do? We have so many DVDs, like tons of movies. So what my dad would do is me and my brother would both pick two movies and my dad would put them under a towel and he'd switch them around and we both had to pick one. So we'd both pick those ones out. So like the two that me and Leo picked, he'd put under another towel and switch those up. And my brother would go out and pick one and I'd be in the other room so I didn't see what he picked. And then I came out and I picked one. And then if we decided on one, then we'd watch that movie no matter what it was. So it was a fair way of getting a movie. It was either a Barbie movie or a Star Wars movie. And I have memories of making my brother watch 
Barbie 12 Dancing Princesses, or we watched the third Star Wars movie. So that's what I remember. Those are awesome memories. Yeah, and I remember until about the age of nine, I always slept in my mom's spot on her bed whenever she was gone. And then I'd sleep with her scarf that smelled like her. I'd sleep with the scarf in her spot on the bed because it just reminded me of her. So I'd sleep with her scarf in my hand and I'd just sleep there for the night. And then about at age nine, my brother was like, you're such a baby. So then I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't really need to anymore. So I just, I felt like I didn't need to. Why do you think you grew out of that? I think I had a realization that it's not like my mom's gone forever and I'm not gonna like, I have other ways of getting closer to her than just sleeping in her spot when she's not there. But it it was fun because I had a huge bed. So it was just little me in their bed with her scarf. And I have memories of me and my brother sleeping in that bed, just the two of us. I'm guessing my dad slept on the couch so we'd have room for the two of us. And me and my brother are always fighting. So my dad, we have this whip and he'd push my brother to each end of the bed and he'd whip the middle and as like a way of like, separating us <laughs> it was obviously a joke i thought it was so funny because me and my brother would just start laughing because it shake the bed so we know that we cannot get in that center line that's hilarious how did you explain to your friends what your mom was doing well i remember third grade my teachers were like obviously super interested in what my mom did my mom liked to come to my classes to tell the kids what she did and she'd bring in artifacts and she'd bring in pictures for all my classmates. I remember before that, I was talking with the teachers and my friends and I was like, she's an archeologist. She digs up stuff and she finds things from like 1980. And that's, she's like super cool. <laughs> you said 1980? Yeah, because I had no recollection of right. like what she was doing. And in third grade, there was this little pit by our playground and we'd find the randomest stuff in there and we'd dig it. And I called it the archeology span club. And of course I was the leader because I knew the most about it, even though I had no idea what I was talking about. Someone found a bottle cap once and I was like, that's a war button from the revolutionary war. And I told people that and they believed me because I was like, I'm an archeologist now. So I told everyone that I knew everything about it. And I made everyone believe that I was super cool because my mom was an archeologist. Did you ever see Indiana Jones? Oh, that was one of the movies that my brother picked. So I, I watched those and I asked my mom once, I was like, why did you become an archaeologist? Is it from Indiana Jones? And she was like, no, that's just, that's what other people pick. Not what I pick. So, but you know, when people think of archaeology, they think that that's what you do, that you're basically running around and digging up rocks, digging up rocks and running from walls that are crushing you and yeah. trying to get like big golden arcs and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly yeah. what everyone thinks. But I mean, it's, it sounds very exciting and romantic and, and scary. But it's really just like, it's not, it's romanticized too much. But I kind of think of your mom as the female Indiana Jones. Really? Yeah. Even though I know she's not running down a tunnel with a huge boulder rolling after her. Oh, yeah. Right? Of course. A but... famous scene. Whenever we'd watch different movies, my dad, he tried so hard to entertain us and I I love him for that, but he never really knew what to do with a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. So he took what me and Leo both wanted to do and he combined it. It Sounds like he had really great instincts about what to do to keep you too entertained. 
and me and my brother, we would always compete on who would get what. And so my dad would put that on. It was like, we got to pick whatever we wanted. And any movie we wanted, it didn't have to be anything special. So when your mom would come back after these long trips, how mm-hmm. do you catch up with her? What do you do? I'd go to the airport to pick her up and then we'd find her. And she'd come to the car. She'd ask me how I was, like, how was school? And it just felt like we were right back where we were. Because, you know, I'd call her and talk to her while she was out. We didn't have much catching up to do because I had talked to her throughout the whole thing. Yeah. What about Leo? How did Leo handle her absence? Leo, I, me and Leo never really talked about it on that level. He never really talked about it. He talked to her, too, though, whenever... I'd get the phone. I'd always be like, do you want to talk to Leo? And then I'd hand the phone to Leo and Leo, they would talk for a little bit. Because like my mom and my brother kind of have a little connection. What's their connection? They always kind of have a thing where they'd know what each other were thinking. I was really like, it was cute. That is really sweet. Maybe this is a difficult question to ask Mm -hmm. you, but are are you closer to your dad? I've always kind of realized he loves me so much. He loves me so much. And my mom always reminds me that because anytime like I'd say something, he'd be like, oh my gosh, of course, anything. He always kind of had like a loving, like, of course, anything for you. And my mom was always like, I mean, do you really want that? Are you going to want that in two years? He never questioned it. He was like, of course, anything for you. And my mom. Your mom has a more rational. Yeah, she's more like, Yeah. yeah, she's more rational about it. My dad was just like, no, anything for you, anything, anything you want. I'm really close with both of them. Yeah. I always admired the way my, my mom and my dad parented me. And sometimes when my mom would say something, I'd be like, that's not fair. But when I look back on it, it's like, that's how I'd raise my kid. If my kid wants to buy a big box of fruit roll-ups, that's, that's not good. I mean, do what you want when you're older. But like, if you're young and you still need to eat healthy. So I got upset with her about not buying me the fruit roll-ups. And then I look back on it, and it's like, no, that's how I'd treat my kid. Hey, you know that, that your mom is kind of bummed out because she's worried she might never make it back to Afghanistan again. Mm-hmm. Does that bum you out? Yeah, because she loves traveling. She loves it so much. And I can tell she loves traveling because during the pandemic, she kind of took like a realization, like, that's my whole life out there. So I really hope she travels again because she loves it so much and she needs to get off her computer because that's all she does. She's constantly on her computer because that's her job. Like, she can't do anything else. Even if it means that she gets to go back to Afghanistan? If she gets to go back to Afghanistan, she's on the field. She's not on her computer. But you'd be okay with that? You wouldn't worry? No, because I know she's like... I mean, but you know it's gotten worse over there, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had a feeling over the pandemic that it's not going to be the same way it was. But if she loves traveling and I think she loves the adrenaline, I feel like she can handle it, that she's safe out there. I mean, she's not safe, but, you know, she's good with stuff like that. You're very supportive. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think it was just kind of like an understanding that she loves it so much and there's not much I can do about it. So you either you fake it till you make it, or if you can't fix it, then you just got to stand there and, like, help. There's not, there's not much you can do. 
So I feel like if she loves it, then that's what she loves. She should do it. You know, you're awesome. I hope Ulysses <laughs> is, is like that when he's your age. <laughs> or he might be like, Dad, you jerk, you're traveling again. I totally hate you. <laughs> I, was, I was like that with her. You were? Before, yeah. I was like, why are you traveling again? I hate it when you travel because I miss my mom. Like, I didn't want her to travel. And now that she's been home for a year, stuck at home with me, it's like, just get out, please. I know she loves traveling, and I want her to go back. And she misses the people there and the opportunities. Hey, thanks for making time to talk about this stuff. Of course, I've been waiting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I did, did take a while to, to get to it. Well, he's a handful, you know. He doesn't leave yeah. much time for stuff. I guess we should go eat your mom's quiche now. Oh, it's Is it a tart. quiche that you tart? It's a tart. It's a tart. It's a tart. Get it right. Get it right, George. I will. <laughs> oh no, I forgot to press the record button. No. Just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> totally kidding. Initially, you spent really long stretches of time in Afghanistan before it was more of a back and forth. Mm -hmm. You had two young kids back in Charleston, a husband. What goes through your mind? So the work while I was living full-time in Kabul was so consuming, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about my kids and what they were doing. I trusted that they were being well taken care of. And there was also this time difference. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm waking up, it's eight in the morning, I wonder if my kids are getting ready for school right now. It was more like, it's eight in the morning in Kabul and 11.30 at night in my home place. So there wasn't this analogous right. time zone. So I didn't miss my kids that much. I did miss them, but I wasn't thinking about what they were doing and what milestones I was missing. And I was so excited by the work that I let it be all consuming. And there were times when colleagues would find out if I had little kids and they'd be like, isn't it hard for you to be here? Don't you miss your kids? And I felt guilty saying, I don't miss them that much. It's not that I was cold about it. It was just, I didn't see a lot of point in pining for them. I knew they were being well cared for and receiving a lot of love. And it didn't mean I didn't love them as any mother would love her kids. It was just, I was 8,000 miles away and doing work that was very gratifying to me. Yeah. Early on, they were very young though. So I guess mm -hmm. when... When you get back and you see them, what do you do? How do you talk about things? How much do you mm -hmm. tell them about what your life is like over there? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really even talk about my work at all. And I still don't to them. They have only the vaguest idea of what I do for a living. And that's fine. That's not part of our daily conversation. I'm much more interested in what they're doing every day, yeah. truly. And like what challenges they're facing. And so my work is ancillary. And they were very little while I was away. I credit Frank in a huge way. He never spoke negatively about my absence to the children. So they had no frame of reference that my being away was somehow bad or wrong. And that's to his credit. He, he always, I mean, so he set the stage for that, that. He never spoke negatively about it to the children or said anything like he resented me for being away. So the kids then didn't pick up on, oh, she's away. That was never 
part of the vibe. Now that they're older and they have minds of their own, when it's time for me to travel, they give me little guilt trips about it. But I'm like, sorry, I got a job to do. Are you that direct as you are right now? Yeah. I'm like, I know it's hard and you're going to be okay and I'll call you when I get there, but this is mom's work and this is what it requires. Aren't you glad I, you know, we can kind of be apart for a few days or two weeks or three weeks? That doesn't really go over well. <laughs> Partly because, you know why? They've come to depend on me to cook the good meals and to keep the house clicking along. And Frank does a good job, but he doesn't do it the way a mom does it. He just does it differently. He'll let stuff like, you know, the orange juice run out and it'll take him four days to get more orange juice. And the kids are like, well, mom wouldn't make us wait four days. <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't need orange juice. Every I mean, this seems so mundane. It's just a different parenting style. He's like, they don't need to have orange juice every day. They can drink water. What's the big deal? Well, every parent has things they prioritize more than others. Totally. That's and you know is. what he prioritizes? He's present for them. He doesn't skimp on affection or showing his love for them. Well, maybe that's so better than it is. remembering the orange juice. It is totally. And that's what will, yeah, it is better. It's much better. Yeah. I like how you describe him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one who lets them lay blankets out on the floor and they'll do movie nights together yeah. when I'm not home because that stuff drives me crazy yeah imagine that your kids are older mm -hmm. and they're listening to this mm -hmm. and it can come across as very matter of fact harsh even mm -hmm. so what would you tell them if they're sitting where i am and they're listening to you speak this mm. i would thank them thank them for participating in my professional life in their way of just being mostly supportive and even the little guilt trips, but being like, wow, mom, that's great. Or have fun. That's um, really sweet. Yeah, I would thank them for sure. I hope they don't resent me <laughs> when they're older. Maybe they will. I don't know. You've been listening to Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To stay in touch, also follow us on Instagram at The Monuments Woman. Join us next week when we dive deeper. This show is produced by Kristen D. Brune and May 11 Project. It is recorded by Audovita Studios and edited by Sean Hedinger and Greg Williams. The theme song is This Love by Ariana Delawari, featuring Salar Nader. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.